0: Did you know that the Pop Culture Preservation Society depends on support from listeners like you to keep our podcast up and running? We are an independent operation, creating, producing, distributing, and promoting the podcast by ourselves and paying for it out of our own pockets because we love it and we think it's worth it to preserve the well-loved cultural nuggets from our Gen X youth. If you'd like to become a supporter of the PCPS, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search for Pop Culture Preservation Society. Our Patreon supporters are like our pit crew, giving us the fuel we need to keep on trucking. And as a Patreon supporter, you'll also get special thank you gifts, like video recordings of our episodes, after the episode discussions, invitations to live events over Zoom, and the occasional blooper delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening and for being a part of our society. Our grandmas didn't have the Beatles. Our grandmas maybe liked the ink spots or something like that. (laughs) So it is a it's a Charlie Chaplin. Yes. Kidding. Totally right. <laughs> and who's the guy oh, with the cigar? Right? Uh, Earl, 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 Earl Flynn. Cultural Marks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marks. <laughs>
1: Hello, world. There's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of love is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy.
0: Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who decorated their rooms with carefully torn pages from Tiger Beat Magazine.
1: We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition.
2: And today, we're saving our own first crush experiences with a book club discussion of a new book by the PCPS's very own crushologist, Kristen Nelson, called Worldwide
1: Crush. I'm Carolyn.
2: I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And
1: we are your pop culture preservationists we might be interviewing the most relatable guest we have ever had on this podcast. Someone who not only gets what it was like to be a 12-year-old crushing on a celebrity, but who wrote an actual book where all of those emotions, those complicated, wonderful, heartbreaking, exciting emotions are brought to life. That's right. Worldwide
2: Crush is a middle grade novel about a 12-year-old girl's first celebrity crush, Rory Calhoun. He's a teen pop star with perfect teeth and messy hair. Hello, David Cassidy, Justin Bieber, Harry Styles, every male teen pop star. And and Millie Jackson is just one of the millions of fans who love him. But that doesn't mean her heart doesn't break for him every single day. How many of Rory's fans collect data about him in a special notebook hidden in their underwear drawer? Or have faked a fascination with whale migration for a chance to visit his hometown? Millie may not be Rory's only fan, but she's convinced she's the biggest and the best. So relatable, right? Like, weren't we everybody's? I mean, Carolyn, you were Jimmy McNichols'
1: only fan, weren't you? Oh, yeah. I would imagine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And he was going to come ride his bike over and we were going to, um, you know, play hopscotch in the driveway. Ride his bike. <laughs> yes. Um, this book, you guys, it is so relatable. So Rory's new song, Worldwide Crush, is climbing the charts and his lyrics are clear. He's looking for love. And you guys, he's looking for it in the audience, meaning Millie's secret fantasies of running in the surf and eating waffles with him may not be that crazy after all. She could be that girl. But first, she has to get to his concert, his completely sold out concert in a city nowhere near her home for which she does not have tickets or a ride. She just has to figure out how.
2: Dun dun dun. <laughs> Will she? I <laughs> know. Okay, I'm so in. This story is right up my alley, you guys. Even at 54. So I want you all to know what I wrote on Kirkus Reviews about Worldwide Crush and what I'll write everywhere else once I'm able. Are we sure Kristen Nelson isn't actually a seventh-grade girl? That's how perfect Millie's voice, emotions, feelings, and experiences are. Middle graders will see themselves in her, and middle-aged women will be transported back in time and connected with their middle-grade selves. Worldwide Crush reads like a current-day Judy Bloom. It's hilarious, heartwarming, hopeful, and spot on. Listener, I honestly, I don't know how Kristen got into my 12-year-old brain, but she did. And she even got into my 12-year-old heart that was crushing hard on Scott Baio. Insert PCPS bail disclaimer here, but we're not really going to do that because we don't have that kind of time today, so use your imagination. You've heard it. You know what it is. (laughs) Worldwide Crush is laugh-out-loud funny. It's so endearing, and like I said, it's just spot on, no matter how old you are.
1: Yes, I could not agree more, Michelle. And let me start by saying that I am a super nice person, and I love (laughs) Kristen. So of course, whatever, I'm going to tell you how much I love this book and how everyone should read it. But even if Kristen had stolen my best friend in middle school, my boyfriend in high school, and my parking space at Target yesterday, I would still give Worldwide Crush five stars on Amazon, a glowing review on Goodreads, and tell everyone I know, from middle-grade kiddos to middle-aged folks, you have to read this book. You guys, it's that good. My 19-year-old Harry Styles obsessed daughter is reading it right now, and she said to me, I just love how Kristen gets it. And I'm sorry, if that's not a stellar recommendation, I don't know what is. We are thrilled to introduce the author of Worldwide Crush, our very own fellow preservationist, our friend and yours, Kristen Nilsson.
0: Okay, so stop crying now. Oh. So you got to realize I'm sitting here listening to them say these things. I'm just sitting here in the room listening to them say these things and it's so embarrassing. It's extremely awkward and validating at the same time. To sit here and listen to people say these kinds of things because you work so hard and you pour your heart and soul into something and you wrote it so that people will have those feelings and then when they do, that's that's a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like it's like it's I don't even know what to do with myself. <laughs> Get used to it. Get used to it, sister. That's I'm going right. to have to pull my big girl pants on, right? Like you have to You have to learn how to let people talk about you in your presence and hey, not look like a dork. We've told you for two
2: and a half years we were going to be your fly girls. So mm-hmm. you better get used to it.
0: Yeah, my pink ladies.
1: <laughs> That's right. Well, I guess we should ask you, Kristen, why are you here, actually? <laughs> really? How, how is this book relevant to the Pop Culture Preservation Society?
0: Isn't that funny? Because it's not just blatant self promotion. It's it's more right. than that. I and it didn't really occur to me until the other day that this is this book is part of our origin story. Mm-hmm. It's because I I wrote this story about um you know a girl with a with a teen idol crush, and then right when I wrap up the story, the moment that I finish the story, I see somewhere on Facebook or something that Sean Cassidy, who inspired the book, is having this tiny little concert. In, at a winery in California. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like God speaking to me. Timing, God is man. saying, get on a plane. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, here I go. And I assumed it would be a solo pilgrimage. Who's, who would who would go to something like that with me? <laughs> and then Carolyn's shaking is like, her head I here I don't am know. to save the day. <laughs> and Carolyn's like, I won't let you go alone. I will go with you. And then Michelle interviews us for an article about fangirling after 50, and a podcast is born. So the question is, why was I ready to go to this concert all alone before Carolyn rescued me? It was about more than just being a Sean Cassidy fan. It was because I had just finished this book, this book that was inspired by my own crush. The whole thing came from my own, you know, reaching into the deepest parts of my brain and pulling it out again. And I was packing that manuscript in my carry on. I needed to go to this not just for research purposes, to see all the people who were my age who who went through the same experience that I did because I knew they would be in the crowd, but I had to complete the circle. Mm-hmm. It felt like an appropriate thing to complete this circle.
1: I remember when you um carried that you we yes, you didn't just bring it on the airplane to California. We brought it with us to the concert. And now it's in book form. It's just amazing. To That's me. so yeah. cute
2: that you brought the manuscript to the concert. It almost got like Sean's karma
1: there, right? It it absorbed. Think about it. It, it absorbed uh-huh. it. It
2: absorbed. It was the at energy. The concert. Yeah. But look at the timing in this. You finished the manuscript, then you see that he's having this concert. You go to the concert, and like you just said, the concert is what then in a roundabout way, led to the podcast. The podcast Mm -hmm. then has led to, two and a half years later, us actually talking to Sean Cassidy mere weeks before the manuscript that you carried. Yeah, you're right. We're coming full circle. That manuscript that you carried Mm -hmm. is about to be released to the world in mere weeks, right as we just became friendly with Sean Cassidy.
0: Right. How is that not
1: divine? Insert right right now the in the angel choir. I'm gonna find the clip. Like,
2: I actually think we need to insert the Brady Bunch.
1: Because
2: it's a little
0: freaky, you guys. I know it is. I know, and there, and it comes with so much. Writing a book and trying to get it published comes with so much heartbreak. It comes with mm-hmm. an immense amount of rejection. It comes with years and years of rejection that you, of course, turn around and and and. Make yourself feel like you're not good enough. It's not good enough. It makes you question yourself. And for some reason, I, I I was able to pick myself up each time. And to have it take this long, we're seeing right now why it took so long. Because it had to happen had when to. all of these things were converging.
2: Yes. Yes. It had to. You know what? We've mm-hmm. all learned in the past two and a half years, listeners, just through something I've been going through this year um, with a mo- an impending move, to trust in timing. And yes. at, as you're going yes. through it, you're thinking, this is never going to happen, or I can't. We've really learned to trust in timing. If
1: this doesn't tell us to trust in timing, right. I don't That's know right. what it's just, does. It's all the evidence. I mean, My the proof goodness. is in the pudding, and the timing yeah. has mm-hmm. yeah has been nothing short of miraculous. Yeah. Whatever time. is meant for you will come to you. Right, right, right. Time. Yes.
2: So, Kristen, Worldwide Crush, while it is based on your own Crush in the late 70s on those feelings you had on Mm -hmm. one Sean Cassidy. It's not a retro novel. Why did you Mm -hmm. make it contemporary?
0: It's really interesting. I don't know. <laughs> <We can laughs> I asked skip you to ask question. the question. You did not even know. <laughs> okay, we can but skip I was that one. surrounded by I wasn't I did not think the book was about me. Let me put it that way. I really didn't. At the end of the day, of course it's about me. Mm-hmm. But when I was writing it, I didn't think it was. I thought I was writing about a fictional person mm-hmm. who was probably standing in front of me at the library. I was surrounded by contemporary kids, and that's who I was writing the book for. I was writing a contemporary novel for those kids, and I was just using my own memories as a as a help I thought and of
1: course, at the end of the day, it ends up being. <laughs> an awful lot about me. (laughs) Well, I think what also it is, it is a timeless story. You can pick up the plot of this story and you could put it in any decade and it works. We've had crushes forever. We've had broken hearts forever. We've had pining over these poster boys forever. So these crushes are universal. And so Mm -hmm. is the desire, I think, for a mom to try and understand her 12-year-old child Mm -hmm. and the lengths that she'll go to figure that out. That was true when we were kids and our moms were trying to figure out us out, yeah. when our grandmothers were trying to figure our moms, and then when we're trying to figure out our kids. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And now that I think about it, again, I didn't know this at the time. Liam was probably 12 when I started writing this. <laughs>
1: Mm. Wow. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and and like you said, uh Carolyn, I love
2: your point that the the plot of this book could be, you know, taken out and dropped in the six the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, mm-hmm. the nineties now. Oh god, that's a lot of decades. I just had to go back <laughs> just know, to get to I ours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I just I totally agree with that. And I think that um so much is dropped throughout this book on the importance of these first celebrity crushes. Um, from the various characters, this is not a frivolous book, listeners at all. It might seem like it's this girl who has this crush on this Sean Cassidy like Justin Bieber, like it is not frivolous. so all the characters, no matter their age, we've got Grandma Cheryl, we've got Dr. Marion, who's a social studies teacher. We have Peter, he's possibly French, the leader <laughs> of the You Me and Puberty talking about our changing bodies retreat. It's such a great part <laughs> of the book. And ultimately, Millie's mom. So these are people from all different generations who are talking about the importance and feeling the importance and remembering the importance of these first celebrity crushes.
0: So why, Kristen, why was that important for you to get that in there? Well, and again, so much of what I did was not on purpose and that it only occurred to me as it was happening when I, hey, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. this happens with everybody. And then that's how the importance grows. And then you dig into that a little bit more. But I had absolutely no intentions when I started out writing the book. These are all discoveries that came to me as it was happening. And we live in a unique era in which now the grandmas, the, those of us who are grandmas were alive during the rock and roll era. Mm-hmm. So that that's a unique situation, which means that we all had poster boys. It could be that, I mean, sure, there were always, there have been ancient stories about people having crushes on Socrates or whatever <laughs> like that, but it is uniquely <laughs> so in the rock and roll era when we had TV, when we have magazines, when we have radio in the form that it is, when we have pop stars, actual pop stars. Now the grandmas are the people who are in love with the Beatles and the Monkees. Right. Oh our grandmas, God. our grandmas didn't have the Beatles. Our grandmas no. maybe liked the ink spots or something like that. <laughs> so it is a it's a Charlie unique Chaplin. A, like, <laughs> yes, <kidding>. totally. Right. <laughs> and who's the guy um, with the cigar? Right? Uh, Earl Earl. Earl, 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 Earl Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so our kids, our middle schoolers today, their grandmas could have been hippies. Yeah. Right. That's a really unique perspective. And that's and as and it took me so long to write the book that the ages, the eras in which the grownups lived had to shift a little bit. When I first started writing the book, it was Millie's mom who had a crush on Sean Cassidy. After now, a 12 year old's mom wouldn't have a crush on Sean Cassidy. They might have a crush on. Leo DiCaprio, right? Exactly. And so I had to change a lot of things like that. Mm-hmm.
2: So much of this book and really the heart of the story is through letters that Millie is writing to her crush, Rory. So, Kristen, tell us why you used that technique. Might there have been some
0: letters from young Kristen to Sean? Uh, well, that's interesting because, again, I... The answer to so many questions is I don't know. Um, because I didn't did it do just it on No, progress. but truly, did it just yeah. come as you were writing? Like, yes, oh, this makes sense, absolutely. So interesting. And, I, and so, it was only when I, um, it's only today when I asked myself that question. Literally, today I was like, yeah, why did you do that? And I think a, a part of it has to do with my love for notebooks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I love notebooks, I hoard notebooks, I buy notebooks, and I can't use them because I don't want to fill them up. Um, and I'm a little sad that the notebooks might be going away. And as I wrote the book, I realized that in classrooms, they do they still have a notebook? Because they might be using the the classroom iPads instead. Oh, my and, gosh. And, I, you know, part of the notebook thing, maybe is that a Harriet the Spy thing that she walks around with her notebook? I certainly had a notebook that after reading Harriet the Spy and carried one around with me. But the other thing is that when um, – In today's world, in the era of social media, when everything is so public, everything is public, I just wonder, where does the private stuff go? Right, yeah. And could that, could the notebook still be a place, the notebook hidden in the underwear drawer, could that be the most private thing that you have? Because as we know, as we preach to our kids, nothing you put online is private, Mm -hmm. even if you make it private, even if your account is private, it is not private, and I want to make sure that people still have a place to go mm-hmm. and make their thoughts private.
2: I love that. Well, and there's something so endearing about the <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that's beautiful. You're like us. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, there's there's something so endearing about the letters that Millie's writing to Rory that you know she's not gonna send to.
0: Oh yeah, um, good yeah. point. These are not letters that she sends. These are all her private her private thoughts. She writes dear Rory, but they never go anywhere. And right. so she can well, be one as does. ridiculous and <laughs> Yeah, one does. One does. Um, but this is basically where she she puts right. her fantasies. In, it's like her journal. It's kind of her journal. Mm-hmm. It's
1: like her diary. It's one of my favorite parts. I mean, I think you really get to um, hear – Millie's sense of humor. She is so doggone funny, and guess what? She does a little bit stuff with wordplay. I mean, I I love that about her. She's into words, yeah. And um, and I love the way she signs off most of those um letters in her notebook was loving stuff. Yeah, it just made it sounded like puffing stuff, and it just sounded so happy. I was like loving stuff. I love, I love that. Yeah, just wanted you to know. She's funny. Yeah, she's so funny. As I shared earlier, Kristen, Grace is also reading Worldwide Crush right now, mm-hmm. and um, it's given us some opportunities to talk about a few of the, um, the scenes in the book, as well as just this whole experience of fangirling. I mean, that's a word mm-hmm. now, you know, um, and notice girl is in it. Mm-hmm. And also, Grace, let's just say she loves her some Harry Styles, and let's <laughs> just say Grace has been to maybe more than one or two or three Harry Styles concerts, and her brother... 25-year-old male, loves to kind of make fun of her for this. And I overheard her kind of explaining to him one day why her crush on Harry Styles is not that weird. Because she sees him and has seen him multiple times wearing a jersey with some man, grown man's name plastered across his back. He's gone to multiple Chicago Cubs games to watch the Cubs play. And Andrew will say, well, it's different each time. And Grace will say, well, it is different each time that Harry Styles plays. There's a different crowd. He says different things. There's just a different energy. And so I'm wondering, Kristen, um, mm-hmm. do, do you sense that, that there's kind of a stigma with this fangirling versus guys can – you know, love their sports teams and spend the same amount of money and see them even more times maybe, and yet just look down on girls.
0: Um, that's really interesting. I, that has become, again, I didn't start out this way, but that has become one of the most important things I want to talk about with this book. It's not in something, it's not something I intended to write about. It's something I discovered as I wrote. And as I started telling people about what I was writing about, engaging people's responses, especially agents and editors in the publishing industry, there was definitely, um, an air of disdain. That came from some people. And so I'm analyzing that. Like, uh, why, why are they looking down their nose at me? And then the thing that broke it wide open for me was a book, an adult book, a book for adults, called This Is Not a Book About Benedict Cumberbatch by an author named Tabitha Carvan. It is hilarious. It is cheeky. And it is this woman exploring her own adult crush on Benedict Cumberbatch. Why is this happening and what does it mean? And what she finds is that crushes like this are lumped together as a largely feminine phenomenon, which is not accurate. That is not true. But because people sometimes view it as something that girls do, it's largely regarded as crazy. These (laughs) fans are crazy. If boys do it, it's a passion. Mm. The millions of people who are committed to the Foo Fighters aren't crazy. They're into music. But the people who flock to see Harry Styles over and over, they're hysterical. Let's not forget where the word hysteria comes from. It comes from, this is where the word hysterectomy comes from. Hysteria, women, women are crazy. If you remove their uterus, they won't be crazy anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this is taking a big turn. (laughs) That is where hysterectomy comes from. It's from hysteria. Oh my well, goodness, mm-hmm. the, the more, more you know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that really what you wanted to know? But so that—that that is part of why I'm here because again, I didn't intend to write about that but this is a sexist issue. People paint girls with a crush as crazy and boys with a fanaticism as having a passion mm-hmm. and it's not fair. It's sexist and it's unfair.
1: a lot of happy feelings when I was in middle school and stuff, but that crush experience, um, there's nothing quite like it. And as we've seen from comments or when we ask who was your first celebrity crush, I mean, people just explode with answers. I mean, yeah. everybody... Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's universal. It's something that you can ask, like Kristen always says, if you're at a dinner party and you know, <laughs> conversation's low, you can just say, who was your first celebrity crush? And you know everyone's going to have an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of special. Again, we, were all experience, we all experienced this similar phenomenon. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And if the men at the table say they didn't have one, tell them they're lying. And you know why. Okay. You know why, because they think at at the whether it's as an adult or whether it was as a kid it's not socially acceptable for for men to crush in that way even though they did we all know you did it and and godspeed to those men who do admit it we have a lot of listeners who have let us know my first crush was christy mcnichol or my first crush was sweet Polly purebred or whatever (laughs) and they're coming out of the closet they're like yeah i love kara fawcett Mm -hmm.
2: no Uh, for sure so I want to switch gears just a little bit, and we talked earlier, Kristen. You were saying, "Gosh, why did you why did you make it contemporary?" Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that had to be kind of challenging because. You had to know your audience, right? You have to mm-hmm. now tap into fifth, sixth, and seventh graders who, I I actually think fourth graders would, some fourth graders would like this book as well. Oh, I definitely. would have in fourth yeah. grade, but mm-hmm. you have to tap into that. So listeners, from the first time I read this book, which was in digital form a couple of summers ago, and I raced through it, this book was so my jam and my 10-year-old self <laughs> is so envious that I know the author. But I was just struck by Kristen's wit and her humor. I'm not kidding. it's very reminiscent of Judy Bloom. Kristen cringes when I say that a little bit, I know, but I do. it is mm-hmm. so reminiscent of Judy Bloom from the relationships Millie has with her grandmother, her parents, her brother, her friends um and I'd love to read just a few of my favorite sections and lines. so sorry, Kristen, if this is going to embarrass you, but um, <laughs> I want to read um just some things so that the listeners can just sort of get the feel. Um, this is one, Um, just a passage I love. It says, puberty is such a gross word. I hate it. Especially when people say puberty. I wish everyone would stop talking about puberty, but they can't because it's walking around everywhere in the hallways of my school. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And then I want to gush just a little bit about Grandma Cheryl's characterization. Um, She's one of my, she's one of my favorite, well, I love all the characters, but Grandma Cheryl might be my favorite. Um, it's so vivid. It's so fleshed out. So this is just, um, listeners, a little section for you to get a taste of Grandma Cheryl. Our kitchen table is only meant for four. So we only have four real chairs. Who's excited today? She says after doing her shot of Mountain Dew. Every morning she drinks a tiny cup of Mountain Dew that, and she sleeps with a Target bag tied on her head like a turban. It's to prevent frizz and she swears it works. I just wish she would take the Target bag off before coming to the breakfast table.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that.
2: Cheryl's awesome.
1: Yes, Cheryl is awesome. And there are some other um, parts of the book where we learn even more about Cheryl that I'm just laugh out loud. Yes. Love her. and I didn't want to give too much away. (laughs) No, exactly. We can't. That's the hard part about this whole episode Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. that you don't want to spoil it for anyone. But you guys... um, I can see it in my head so clearly that anyone out there who has a tie to Hollywood this would make a <laughs> great oh <my> god. movie. <laughs> it would be a series.
2: It should be a series. Um oh, yeah. I think well, it would be a good oh, I have
0: seen the movie in my head so many yes. times. I've cast the movie. I've cast Oh my god. The movie. I yeah. tried
1: to cast it. I want everyone to know after they read it. I think that Millie and Rory have to be newcomers. I think that oh, they think can't so have too. been oh, in the yeah, So we can't say, yes. oh, that's so and so. Yeah. No, 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 have to for be sure. fresh yeah. faced. Yep. You know. New kids and yep.
2: oh yeah. Okay, so I also love how Millie, with the help of Cheryl, of course, has found replacements for swear words. Um, because her little brother Billy asked for some goddamn bacon. And then in the book, it's like mom puts the goddamn bacon in front of Billy. It's so funny. But the book is just littered with these replacements. Gob, Frank, Schmidt, Double Schmidt. Yet they're really they're placed very thoughtfully, where they pack an emotional but very humorous punch. Um, until the end. And I just, this is, it starts out so heartbreaking. Again, I don't want to give away what happens, but just then listen to how the sentence ends. She says, Millie says, I say out loud the worst swear word I know, the one that has never once come out of my mouth, just like a kid who doesn't wash his hands after he poops, but I don't care. <laughs>
1: Guys, our little what? Is well, she is this. little but she is coming up with all of this. I know, in her, her brain. Just, in her little okay. brain right there. Okay I, and, uh, okay, I have one
2: more, and sorry, I have one more, but I I actually, you can see all the flags in my book. These are just like <laughs> things that made me laugh out loud or things that were super relatable, but um, okay, so this one, let's just say they've been on an airplane. My dad smells like scotch because the passenger next to him got drunk and spilled his drink in his lap. Cheryl smells like french fries because her seatmates brought their Happy Meals on board and squirted ketchup on her slacks. Grandmas call their pants slacks. I don't know why. And my mom smells like vomit because Billy Threw up on the plane just before takeoff. Actually, the whole plane smells like vomit for the whole flight. Thanks to us, no one is happy here. When we finally land, smelling like scotch, French fries, and vomit, we slog to the baggage claim area without speaking, where we wait for our luggage. Oh, talk about relatable! So right? funny. Yes, when we watch, when we when we slog, smelling Flogged. like scotch, happy meals, and vomit. Right.
1: Well, um, one of my favorite things about the book is some references to Little House on the Prairie, and you'll have to read it to see where those pop in. But one of the, my favorite scenes is, um, at the again, at the dinner table, and Millie has her phone out. So um, Cheryl's complaining that everyone has to have their phones, and Millie's thinking, she doesn't know how paralyzed I am without my phone. I feel like a pioneer girl making butter for fun and missing out on all the barn dances in town. <laughs> There's much I need to do right now, and I'm completely powerless without my phone. <laughs> I don't know. I love that. And yeah. I could totally, totally relate to Laura Ingalls feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Baking butter. And Christian. I have to go back
0: to the grandma part for a while because I. it turns out, again, I didn't know this, I really like grandmas. I like, And in my next book, I have another grandma. I have two grandmas in the next book. I have a grandma and a great-grandma. Oh, they that's just right! So full of funny things.
2: Yes. How did you do that, though? How do you tap in? I mean, I feel like I know the answer to this, and probably most of our longtime listeners know exactly what you're about to say too. But how do you tap into
0: that twelve-year-old? It's funny. I for for me, this is what I found. For me, fiction is truth. There is very little that I make up. Almost everything in that book is somehow a real thing, something that somebody said, something that something ha- so happened to somebody somewhere, and then I just embellish it to, uh, to the level of good entertainment. Um, another, a good example of that is uh, Millie's little brother, Billy, has some little nuggets that he drops throughout the book. Every funny and interesting word that comes out of Billy's mouth was uttered by my own child. There is not one thing that I made up. Liam was so funny when he was little. And I started just to write it all down. And I was like, someday I'm going to need this for oh, something. Oh, that's great. And, and Mike that. and I, we will trade these back and forth today. Like, just apropos of nothing, one of us will say, what happens to bad guys when they die in jail? Do they just throw them in the trash? Yeah. <laughs> do you, like do you actually say, "Give me some goddamn bacon? <laughs> I can't remember where that one came from, but that oh, I do know. This is where that one came from. I was putting Liam in the car seat in the car with my in-laws and um Liam was like, "Damn it." And he's like, "Too. <laughs> Damn it." And I'm with the in-laws and so I'm oh, like, no. oh. <gasps> "Liam, oh, we don't we don't say that." Yeah.
2: Where and did you even like,
0: hear that? <laughs> yes, yes. And Liam <laughs> the look on Liam's face is so confused. He's like, "We don't we don't say that?" And then yeah, he we said do. Is but it's okay if you put God in front of it. <gasps> oh because <laughs> <laughs> mom, that's what you do. Right. That's what you do.
2: It was just oh, so that's confused. Adorable. Why can't I say, damn it? I thought oh, what you were gonna say, and I thought what our listeners thought you were gonna say is because I am a 12 year old girl.
0: Well, well, the truth is there, yeah, for the adolescent part, I have always said I have a seventh grader living inside of my head. I remember things that other people leave behind. I don't know why. Um but and that was super frustrating for me working in a middle school because teachers would make it so obvious that they had no idea what it was like to be twelve, mm. and I was like, "How did you get to be fifty without going through 12? So I know I have I have very easy access to my previous self. I don't know why, but I regard it as a gift, and I'm grateful for it every day. Mm-hmm.
1: As are we. Let me
0: so grateful because
2: state. yes, because it is so evident in this book, and like I said earlier that. I thought right when I read it the first time and that I've said in, in reviews, I feel, and this isn't just me, this is Carolyn, this is everybody in our writing group listeners who have mm-hmm. read this book, this is all of you who are about to read this book, you will say, how did Kristen Nelson get in my <laughs> 11, 12-year-old body? Because it's the same things that you did with your friends. It's the same thoughts you had. And it's, it's, it's really remarkable, Kristen. You will Thank yes, you. um Thank
1: you. You will be husker dude out the wazoo. Let me just mm-hmm. tell you when you read this, just a few of the moments where I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I thought I remembered a lot of things, but um, when you talk about how uh, Millie inscribes Rory's initials into her notebook, you guys, do you remember when we used to take a pencil and take the, um, you know, the eraser and erase because oh it took the color off of our notebooks? Words or initials or our first crush's names into our notebooks. Oh, my gosh. And then having like, wipe off all the excess rubbery eraser <laughs> stuff off yes. everywhere because – And oh I wouldn't have gosh. ever would, thought of that again. again yeah, exactly. I mean, that was amazing. And then um, just other – little moments that weren't big parts of the book, but you realized, oh, yes, I remember that dilemma the first day before middle school, that night thinking, what am I going to take my lunch to school in? Or do I have to buy my lunch? And if I have to buy it, do I go to the snack bar? Or do I go through the hot lunch line? Lunch was a huge Mm -hmm. issue for me the night before middle school started. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and I also have to give you credit, Chris, not only did you paint such a perfect picture of seventh grade Millie, I really feel like you perfectly captured what it's like to be the mom of a 12-year-old kid with a celebrity crush. And I speak from experience, Mm -hmm. okay? We've gone through all of them in our house. Everything from buying the concert tickets and not knowing what the rules are for buying concert tickets. <laughs> oh to no, the yes. ache in your chest when you disappoint your child and that helpless feeling when you watch when you watch your child's heart break. You did that so well. Another reason this book is for us, the moms and the dads as much as as mm-hmm. it is for those middle grade kids. You got that perfectly.
0: That's that's so funny that you say that and I'm so happy that you say that because I think I mentioned earlier that I, at the end of writing it, I was like, is this a book about mothers and daughters? And I think it really is. Is it for the moms or is it for the daughters? I don't really know, Mm -hmm. but it became a story about mothers and daughters. And there are a couple of places in the book where I, um, I consistently cry. I make myself cry. I make my own words make me cry every single time I read it. And one of them, one of the times is when the mom is, like, I'm going to make it right. I can make this right. I can mm-hmm. do it.
1: And mm-hmm. ultimately, she does. She makes yeah. it all right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, moms rule, people. Moms I, rule. Yeah. I also <laughs> love um, how you really um, pay a lot of respect to um, mental health issues at the end of this book. So mm-hmm. when I say mm-hmm. this isn't a frivolous book, it is a laugh out loud. It is a rollicking good time. But besides just the evolution of crushes and the importance of crushes that are peppered throughout... Um you know, there is a definitely some very wise words and thoughts about the importance of recognizing mental illnesses for what they are and not for just something that, oh, you can get better. And I thought that that was um, really well done.
0: There is one, there's one character who suffers a very serious mental health crisis. And I was writing that in the midst of I was surrounded by mental health crises at that time Mm -hmm. um, within my own family and literally every single person that I knew. Mm -hmm. Every one of my friends had a child who couldn't go to school, who, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're all raising our hands, every single one of us. And it's so terrifying. Um, And you think you're alone and you can't see the end of it and you've never experienced it before, so you don't know how to deal with it. and. One way that I dealt with it was by telling people about it because I thought if we just keep this private, people will continue to not think it's a problem. Exactly. And I happen to know that every el- everybody else is suffering. And if we can all band together and support each other, we can recognize this as actual illness and not something that you can fix with pure will mm-hmm. or force mm-hmm. or positivity or – Right, we need the entire um, medical establishment and and educational establishment behind us to figure this out. And so that's where that one character grew out of it. It's it's a linchpin in the book. This one person's Mm -hmm. mental health crisis changes the trajectory of the book. And one person in the book has to make it known to everybody: this is serious. We're not joking around here. And I'm going to throw it all away in order to help this person.
1: Yes, that's right. So powerful. Yeah, and on that note of. You kind of educated us, basically, on a lot of things in this book. You will leave this book, when you close it, a smarter person, I got to say, whether it's you you know more about whales and their migration, (laughs) you've learn some new vocabulary words, which, by the way, if for no other reason than having your kid expand their vocabulary, get this book, because (laughs) Kristen has a way of weaving in some what would be considered large vocab words for a middle schooler. But it's so cleverly done, you guys. And so I loved it for that. Uh, and so, yeah, I left um, a smarter person. So kudos. So, well, I not only loved this book, I actually loved what comes after the story ends. The acknowledgments are great. Oh, and so Thanks good. for the shout outs, oh,
2: Kristen. Kristen, <laughs> you made me cry. <laughs> Did I? I? Yes. Oh, yes. First of all, the acknowledgments are like, as entertaining as the yes. the uh, <laughs> well, book, but exactly. yes, um, yeah, Carolyn and I might, or we might get a nice shout out in there. So thank mm-hmm. you, yes, it's very so sweet, sweet.
1: and so will. Um, Lots of other folks, and as Michelle just said, it's gosh darn entertaining to read it. I mean, it is Kristen's voice, loud and clear. We hear it all the time, so I can tell you people, this book (laughs) is Kristen. Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, that's a good point. This is true. Uh, And then another favorite of mine was the Guess What page, because you guys, Kristen tells the reader how she has carefully placed 25 Easter eggs in this book. I was so excited when I was finding them. I actually <laughs> yeah, have those pages I, yeah. marked. So all of the Easter eggs are related to celebrity crushes. And readers out there, you will recognize them. It's mm-hmm. their current day. they ones we crushed on. So keep a lookout for how Kristen weaves those in. It's so fun. But perhaps the most meaningful is your note to reader, Kristen, where you share how Sean Cassidy inspired Worldwide Crush and what happened once he found out that he was that inspiration.
0: So we have been... um Throwing this book in front of Sean Cassidy for a long time, long before it was published. And I think the poor guy's confused because I think he thinks that the first time he heard about it, it was a published book and it was like years <laughs> away from publication. Um, but as I've said to him now in person, it was important to me that he knew that he inspired a work of art. I mean, I think it's a work of art. Who knows it, what other people think? It is well. a work of art. But I think it is. And so here's how this letter came to be The note to reader is when I'm able to tell you what Sean Cassidy thinks about this book. Somebody that I was interviewed by long ago, before I was on my own podcast, I was on somebody else's podcast, and when he heard the story of Worldwide Crush, he reached out to Sean Cassidy and told him about it. And Sean Cassidy, bless his heart, sent a note to this man to read to me on the air, which made me cry like a little baby. And so in this note, Sean Cassidy really emphasized, this is the first time I've heard from him, right, really emphasized how he was never cynical about the screaming tweens that were in his audience. He knew they were going through something important. He knew it wasn't really about him, even. He knew that he was a part of their growing up, and he always respected that. He never thought they were hysterical or crazy, which just warmed my heart completely right he just knew he was the catalyst i mean so self-deprecating right it's not about me yeah it's not me i'm just the catalyst and he was also really vulnerable and he admitted how worried he was he's like i'm a flawed individual what if they knew that what if i can't live up to their ideal of what their first boyfriend the perfect first boyfriend should be what if i can't live up to that he didn't want to mess it up for us. It's so much responsibility, though. But it also just mm-hmm. really
2: illustrates the weight mm-hmm. that these people are
0: yeah. carrying. And so I had that. Um, he read that to me on in the air. I cry like a little baby, and then he takes a screenshot of it for me. And I print that out, and I put that above my writing desk. And that is what informs much of the editing of this book. I mm-hmm. keep that with me mm-hmm. as I edit the book so that I can consider what his feelings were in that, um, mm-hmm. in that entire experience. At the end of the day, this book is not about Millie and Rory at all. It's about Millie, but I wanted to be able to make Rory a fully formed human mm-hmm. being, not mm-hmm. just a one dimensional character. And you actually get to see him be a fully formed human being. You And do. that letter from Sean Cassidy helped me do that. And you get to see that Mm -hmm.
2: Rory is very much embodying all of those things that Sean told you he was feeling in the letter from things that will happen Mm -hmm. towards the end of the book. And listeners, um, to actually get to read parts of that letter, make sure to check out that note to reader um, at the end
0: of Worldwide Crush. You have to keep reading after the story ends. Mm -hmm.
2: I guess the point of this conversation, besides us being so proud of Kristen, is to say that no matter what age you are, if you had a crush, be it Davy Jones, David Cassidy, our friend, Sean Cassidy, Leif Garrett, Rob Lowe, John Cusack, Phoebe Cates, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, River Phoenix, Kelly Preston, Ashton Kutcher, Chad, Michael Murray, Nick Jonas, Harry Styles, Justin Bieber, (laughs) Shawn Mendes, whoever, (laughs) you will relate to this book, period, full stop. It's a hilarious and heartfelt journey we all took in our tween years. And Kristen Nelson got it right. Thank you, Kristen, for being thank here today you. and every day. Yeah, and every day. thank you all so much for listening.
1: And we know that you all are going to want to read Worldwide Crush. So right now is your chance to pre-order it. You can do that by going to our website at Pop preservationistscom or Kristen's website at com. we will include a link to Kristen's uh, we will include a link to Kristen's website in our weekly reader as well as in our show notes for this episode and You can also pre-order from your local bookstore. So just if you have a favorite bookstore down the street or at your beach town or wherever, you can certainly call up or go in and place a pre-order. They can do that for you, as can the Big A, Amazon, um, or Target. You can also pre-order there. But we love to support our local Mm -hmm. bookstores.
0: This is the first time that I've gotten to talk like this about Worldwide Crush, and I and I can't believe how good it feels. I'm I'm beyond privileged to be in relationship with the two of you. I'm so happy you're on my team. I'm so happy to have you as my pink ladies. So the book is officially released tomorrow. So you might even find it on bookshelves wow. starting tomorrow. Um, it kind of feels like I'm having a baby tomorrow.
2: It's so weird. I, I feel like you've been in labor for or you've been gestating it's, for a long yeah. time.
0: It's my plan to C-section tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> they just rip Christian's belly open and pull out like 400 yes! copies yes! of World Wide that, right Crush. That's exactly what it feels like. No joke. That's exactly what it feels like. And And if you'd like to meet us and help us celebrate this book and celebrate all of our crushes. We will be doing in-person events like crazy for the next couple of weeks. We have one coming up this week right here in St. Paul. So local min, yes.
2: uh, Minneapolis friends um, is Red... Well, Kristen, where is it?
0: And the who's going to be with us? In St. Paul, Minnesota. That's at 6.30 p.m. on um, July 12th. We will be in conversation with Megan McCafferty, who is the author of the Jessica Darling series. That's like turn-of-the-century, modern, classic, young adult book. Um, Megan McCafferty is a loyal listener and... the Jessica Darling series is beyond. You'll absolutely love it. Um, and then in Downers Grove, Illinois, on Saturday, July 15th, Anderson's Bookshop in Downers Grove, Illinois. You do need to register for that event, so you need to find Anderson's Bookshop online. On July 22nd, this is the craziest one. I can't even believe this. We will be having a Worldwide Crush event and goat yoga event at a goat farm in Cumberland, Maine. I can't even believe it. But this event comes from loyal listeners of the PCPS, Sunflower farm is owned by a loyal listener and one of her customers is a loyal listener who got this whole thing started and I'm so excited to meet all of them and I hope I can meet a lot of east coast people there too that's amazing Um, and then on July 30th here in Minneapolis we will be having a celebrity crush book party and grown-up book fair just like the Scholastic Book Fair, except for us, the fifty-year-old ladies, <laughs> and
2: and we're having merch. You guys remember the Book Fair when you would go to the Scholastic Book Fair and you would you know save your lunch money. Um, you maybe you wouldn't eat lunch for a few days so that you could buy an extra pencil or an extra cool one of those pins with all the different colors that you push down. We're going to have those plus mm-hmm. posters and stickers and buttons and all kinds of fun Book Fair goodies. Many of you Midwest listeners have asked us, when will you have a Minneapolis, a Midwest get-together? Consider July 30th that, and please come to our Grown Up Book Fair. We'll all be there. It's going to be so much fun.
0: It is going to be fun. And I have one thing to ask of listeners, too, before we go. If you are kind enough to buy this book, first of all, thank you, thank you, but one of the most important things that you can do for any author is review their book online, wherever you buy your books, or if you're on Goodreads. Today's buyer, book buyers, they are they buy their books based on two things, if a friend recommends it to them, or by reading reviews. And the more reviews you have, the more buyers take that as a sign that this is a book that is worthy of your time and money. It really, really matters, so thank you.
2: And thank you all so much, not only for listening, but for sharing this podcast with others, Gen X, friends, enemies, we're not picky, and for leaving our podcast a review and a rating where you listen, just like with books. That's what helps our podcast get heard. To our supporters on Patreon, you are the literal gas in our tank. Well, not literal, but just go with it. We cannot thank you enough. And today we're giving a special shout out to patrons, Hillary, Debbie, Cheryl, Amanda, Elizabeth, Patricia, and Kathy.
1: If you're not already signed up for our weekly email newsletter, do it right now. Our free weekly reader comes straight to your inbox every Friday morning. Before you even wake up, you can sign up on our Lincoln bio on Instagram, or you can do it on our website, poppreservationist.com. We include lots of episode extras and other fun things and less than a three-minute read. It, re- it really is good, guys. Just like Kristen's book, you'll leave... <laughs> More intelligent when you're finished reading it.
2: I think you will, yeah. Yeah, I totally do. In the meantime, let's raise a glass. This feels weird that I'm doing it. In the meantime, let's raise a glass, courtesy of our friends Jack, Janet, Chrissy, and Kristen. Two good times. Two happy days.
1: To worldwide crush. <laughs> Yay. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. We're singing a song.